Well, hey guys, good morning. Welcome to Pikes Peak Christian Church. It is so good to be with you here this morning. Whether this is your first time here, your first time in a while, or if you're here every week, we are so um, excited that you've decided to join us this morning to come into the Lord's presence, to hear from His Word, and to hopefully be moved to say yes to God this morning. That's what we're all about, helping more people more often say yes to God. Now, I need to clue you in on some things. As you may have already noticed, things are a little bit different this morning. Part of that's because today is our family worship weekend, which means um, our kids from kindergarten up through high school are joining us in this service. That's by design uh, because we want them to be in with us, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in a second. But the other thing that you may have noticed is that I'm blinking a lot, and the reason is is because my son decided for Christmas he would give me pink eye. So if you see me reaching for tissues... Um, or some water, because I got a lot going on up here this morning, just a little bit of grace uh, through that. So uh, we're going to jump right in and get started. Hey guys, it is time for the offering. Yeah, yeah we, we, love, we love that we get to be a part of what God is doing through our tithes and offerings. We cheer because we're excited about the work that God is doing uh, through us and, and through our church. Uh, marriages that have been saved because of this church, people who've been rescued from, from addiction and set free from those things uh, because of Pikes Peak Christian Church and kids who find a safe place to seek out and to, to pursue God. And all of those things happen because you guys have said yes to God with your tithes and offerings. So I just want to encourage you this morning to continue to say yes to him in that way and, and watch what God does. I believe that he's going to do amazing things through our church um, in 2016 as you continue to be faithful with what he's called you to do. So um, we'll pray and then the ushers will come. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Father, I thank you that you are using this church to do amazing things in the hearts of of married couples, in the hearts of kids, Father, in the lives of families. You have stepped in and shown yourself to be faithful and proven yourself to be good because your people have said yes to you. And so, Father, this morning as we search our hearts um, to give back to you what you've given to us, I pray that you would take these tithes and offerings, that you would bless them and multiply them, and that you would continue to use this church to do great things for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as the ushers come, um, I want to give you um, just a couple of announcements, some things going on that you need to know about. Next week, we start with some new service times. New service times starting next week. Now, our 755 service didn't change at all, but this service will be 15 minutes earlier. So you'll need to be here at 915 starting next week. And then our 1130 service will move to 11 o'clock. Now part of the reason we're doing that, we're streamlining some things through the service, really tightening it up. And part of the reason is because we want to serve families better. And our families that come um, typically to the 1130 service, the, the 1130 right now, are here until like 1 or 130 in the afternoon. And it's really, really hard on the family. So we're tightening things up to try and give those families uh, a better experience here at the church um, at that 11 o'clock service. Now something else you need to know, next week uh, Pastor Billy will be here. He'll be giving a message on marriage. And then um, the week after that, he'll be starting his marriage class. Um, he and Shanna are going to do a class called... <clears throat> the story of marriage that'll be during the 11 o'clock service on Sunday starting January 10th or at 6 30 p.m. on Wednesday starting January 13th 
Now also on that Sunday, January 10th, Pastor Darren will be back to start a new series called, um, I think it's called In the Sun. Um, and basically he's going to be looking at, through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be looking at how life with Jesus is so much better than life without Jesus. And how those things compare, it's going to be a really, I think, a great a practical series for us um, as Pastor Darren comes back on the tent. So you'll want to be here for that. But today is a special Sunday. Not because it's the Sunday of Christmas or because I'm sick. It's a special Sunday because it's Family Worship Weekend. And Family Worship Weekends are so important to the faith and development of our kids and students. See, normally, we send our kids and students over to the other side of the building while we come in here and have the adult message, right? And so our kids go over there, and that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Because from the time our kids are born to the time they graduate high school, there's about 13 distinct developmental phases that they'll experience. And so we've created environments to cater to those developmental um, experiences. So so we have environments like in our three-year-old class. If you have a three-year-old, you know that the most important thing to a three-year-old is feeling safe and having fun. They experience God's love through safety and fun. And so our three-year-old class is designed specifically to do that, to let them have fun and to let them know that they are safe so that they can experience God's love. And we do that throughout all of our, our different age groups, all the way up into middle school and high school, where high schoolers are asking question, not am I safe, but who am I supposed to be, what am I supposed to do, and where am I supposed to go? And so we try to answer those questions for high schoolers because those are specifically where they're at developmentally. And so we have programs for all of those different age groups. But it's important that every once in a while we take a break from that and come together in this room. And the reason it's important is because as great as those programs are, there's one thing that they can't provide. There's one thing that we can't do in those rooms that we get to do in here. We can't show them the faith of their primary influencer. We can't show them how their parents worship. We can't show them how their parents experience God and say yes to him. And we know from study after study after study that even in a high schooler, all the way down to a preschooler, the most influential person in a child's life is their parents. And so it's important that every once in a while we come together and worship together and let our kids worship with us and experience God with us and say yes together. Now, parents, you know that it's important, and you know that that maybe it seems like we do this a lot. I mean, we've done it now twice in two months, and we're probably going to do it about eight times in the year 2016. And that may seem like a lot, but when you start to compare the numbers, it's really not. Because, parents, you have 936 weeks from the time your kid is born until they graduate high school. About 936 weeks. That's all you get to teach them everything they need to know, to influence them in the way that you want them to go. 936 weeks. Now, if your child is in kindergarten, you're already down to about 700 weeks. And if your child is in fifth grade, you're down to just over 400. And if you have a high schooler, well, you already know. You're almost done. You're almost out of time. And so it's important that we take a few weeks to come together and let our kids see us worship and see how God moves in our lives so they can be a part of the church because they're not. It's not that we're the church and our kids have kids' church. We are all the church, and our kids and students need to know that they are part of the church in those 936 weeks. And so today is a special Sunday. Now we also know that 
one of the ways that kids learn best is through fun. So I have a question for you this morning. Can we have fun in here? You guys think we can have some fun in here this morning? Should we play a game? Can we play a game on Sunday morning? Can we do that? All right, we're going to play a game. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play, I think most of you, probably everybody knows how to play this game. We're going to play Simon Says. You guys want to play Simon Says? Okay, I need everybody to stand up. And you're all out. Because Simon didn't say. All right, I'm going to forgive you on that one. We're going to forgive that one. That was a little sneaky. Okay, Simon Says, stand up. And we'll play this game together. Are you guys ready? I hope you have your listening ears on. Kids, are you listening carefully? Simon says, touch your nose. Simon says, stand on one foot. Simon says, hop. Stop. Oh, Simon didn't say. Some of you are good. All right. Simon says, stop, because I can't do that very long. Okay. All right. You get, and Simon says, put your foot down, because I'm about to fall over. All right. Let's see. Simon says, pat your head. Take your finger off your nose. You look silly. Oh, you guys are getting good. You're getting good. All right, let's do, uh, let's do a couple more here. Simon says, put your hands on your hips. And Simon says, do a neck roll. Just keep rolling your neck. Keep going. Simon says, keep going. Simon says, keep going. Okay, Simon says, stretch your arms up as high as you can while you continue to roll your neck. And Simon says, stop. And everybody sit down. You guys are good. All right. Simon says sit down. Great job, guys. All right. That was fun. All right. Now that we're all kind of loosened up, we've had a little fun. I think we're ready to listen a little bit. So I want to I wanna talk to you a little bit about, you know, Christmas was two days ago. Hopefully some of you got some really great gifts. Um, I know that not this year, but last year for Christmas, I gave my daughter one of her favorite gifts ever. Uh, my daughter loves to read. It's her absolutely favorite thing to do, um, other than paint, which we don't get to do all the time. But she loves to read. And so um, last year for Christmas, I gave my daughter a Kindle so that she could read all the time, so that she could have books with her um, wherever she went. Um, and so she was thrilled to have this gift, but she didn't know how to use it. She, she didn't know how to turn it on. She didn't know how to charge it. She didn't know how to make the pages turn. She really didn't know anything about it. Um, and it wasn't like the touchscreen ones that are super easy now. It's like the old school Kindle, right, with the buttons on it. So she didn't know how to use it. But it was an amazing gift that she didn't know what to do with. You guys ever have that happen to you? You get an amazing gift. You're like, oh, this thing is so cool. I have no idea what to do with it, right? I mean, some of you maybe thought that the first time you got a smartphone. You're like, I know this thing is really awesome, but I don't know why. Right? But that happens, right? We get these amazing gifts, and we don't know what to do with them. Well, it turns out that we have an amazing gift from God that sometimes we don't know what to do with. That God gave us an amazing gift through his son Jesus that sometimes we neglect because we're not really sure how to use it, how to use that gift. And that gift is prayer. It's not just Jesus himself. See, when when God came and gave us Jesus, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. See, we've all sinned, and we've been separated from God because of, of our sin, because of the things that we've done wrong, not followed God's command. But when Jesus came, he ultimately grew up, died on a cross for our sin, paid the penalty for sin, and we are now considered righteous before God, which means that because we're now righteous before God, we get to go to God the Father directly. 
This is an amazing gift. We don't have to go through a priest or a pastor. We can go directly to God, our Father. And it's an amazing gift, but sometimes we don't know exactly how to use that or what to do with it, but we have good news. Just like my daughter's Kindle, and kind of like in the game Simon says, the best way to learn how to use the gift is to listen to someone who knows the instructions. And when Jesus was here, he gave us instructions on prayer. And not only did he give us instructions on prayer, but he demonstrated how to pray. He showed us with his life how to pray. When my daughter got that Kindle. If I had just said, well, honey, you just slide the switch on, and then you push this button and this button, that wouldn't have been as effective as if I had said, here, let me show you how to do this. And you guys have experienced that too. When you get a great gift, the best way to learn how to use it is by watching someone else use it. And so this morning... We're going to look at what Jesus said about prayer, his instructions, and we're going to look a little bit about what Jesus did with prayer when he was here. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put it up on the screen so you can read it up there, Uh, but we are going to start in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up here in verse 5. And again, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm going to drink a lot this morning, but I'm kind of dying up here, so... So here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus' initial instructions on prayer, he tells us a couple of things here. He says that when you pray, go to your room and close the door and pray in secret. So I guess that means that, that I shouldn't pray from the stage anymore. And that probably means that we shouldn't be like laying hands on people and praying for sickness, right? I mean, no, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Because in other parts of scripture, we see Jesus do just that. We see Jesus pray for his disciples, In the book of Acts, we see the church come together and have a a huge prayer meeting, and the whole building was shaken by the Holy Spirit. And so we know that God was pleased with their prayer meeting. And so God isn't, Jesus isn't saying here that the only way you can pray is in your room with the door closed. But he is saying there's something significant that happens when you go to be alone with God. A few years ago, I took some um, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders up to the mountains for a little retreat. And one of the things we did one night is I sent these kids out um, we, we took a walk through the woods, and I had them be quiet and, and pray all the way through um, the walk through the woods. And we came to this one spot where there's a clearing, and you could kind of walk out um, and look over this ravine. And the stars were out, and it was just a, a clear Colorado night, and you could see the moon and all the stars. And it was just incredible to be in God's presence in that moment. And so we, we took these kids to that place, and we sent them out there and said, hey, go talk to God. And you would think, well, are you, are you crazy? These are 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. Well, I had 4th, 5th, and 6th graders come back and tell me, thank you. I've been waiting to hear from God. I've been waiting to hear from my Father. And guys, so here's what I want you to hear, guys. You're kids, but you're not too young to talk to God. You're not too young to hear from God. God wants to talk to you, whether you are 6 or 96. God wants to have a relationship with you. So listen carefully about how we can do that, because God wants to come in relationship with you. 
And it's not about how we pray exactly. It's not about the mechanics of prayer. But the reason that Jesus says to go into the quiet place, to go into your room and to shut the door is because he wants to spend time with you. Away from distraction. And he doesn't want your prayer to be about being heard by other people. He doesn't want you to be distracted by having to sound eloquent or making sure that people know that you know what you're talking about. He just wants to hear you, the raw, unfiltered you, whatever you have to say. And so he gives us instructions to say, go and be alone with me. Now, now guys, if you're married, think about this. It makes sense, right? I mean, how could you possibly have a relationship with your spouse if you never spent time alone together? Would never happen, right? And there certainly wouldn't be any kids here if you never spent time alone because you just couldn't handle that relationship, right? And think about your kids, right? Think about your kids. How can you have a relationship with your kid if you never spend time with them one-on-one to get to know them, to understand who they are? It's so important that we take these moments to spend time alone with God so that we can know our Father, so that we can have a relationship with Him. And what we see here is that God is saying that the point of prayer It's not that God is a genie in a bottle so that we can get our way. The point of prayer is not so that it's not a duty that we have to fulfill. The point of prayer is to have a relationship with God. And we see that as Jesus begins to teach how we should pray. As it goes on, we pick up in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. Here's what he says. This then is how you should pray. And the very first words in Jesus' sample prayer are our Father. Now, some of us know this by heart, and we just kind of breeze through it, right? We just kind of, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be, right? I mean, because we, we've memorized it for a long time, right? And we just kind of glaze over, but I don't want you to miss it this morning. Jesus starts his prayer with our Father. This is huge, because it means when you go to God, when you go to pray, you're not praying to some far-off king. You're not praying to some distant Lord, although he is king and Lord. You're praying to your dad. You're talking to your father. And this, is the, this characterizes the relationship that God wants us to have with him. That of a good father. And it means that we can go to him with anything. I mean, think about it. If you have a good father, I, I mean, I know not all of us had great fathers growing up, but if you have a good father, there's nothing you can't go to your dad with. And say, Dad, I have this problem. Dad, I need this thing. Dad, I have a, I have a question. Dad, I, this. I mean, anything that we need to ask our dad, we can go to our Father in heaven with those things. And the point is to come into relationship with him. So, so I want to ask you a question. First, I'm going to put some hand sanitizer on my hands so you all don't get pink eye. And, uh, and I'm going to grab this mic over here. And I want to ask you a question because I, I want to illustrate something this morning that I think is important. And so, kids, I want to ask you, if you could ask your dad anything... If you could ask your dad anything, what would you ask him? What would you ask him? Who wants to answer? Um, I knew Michael would answer. Michael's my buddy. Michael, if you could ask your dad anything, what would you ask him? That I miss him so much. You tell him that you miss him. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Who else has an answer? Who else has an answer? Oh, this should be good. Elide has an answer. (laughs) Elide has an answer. Why do I have to do homework? Why do you have to do homework? That's a great question to ask your dad. Who else has a question that they would share with us? Another question. What would you ask your dad if you could ask him anything? If you could ask him anything? I want to go to the park. You, you tell him that you want to go to the park. Yeah, that's a great thing to tell your dad. That's a great thing. We're going to do a couple more over here. What would you ask your dad? What would you ask him if you could ask him anything? I love him. You tell him that you love him. That's a great answer. What would Why you do ask? I have to go to school? Why do I have to go to school? Those are great answers, guys. And so listen, parents, did you hear that? 
Did you hear what your kids want to ask their dad? Why do I have to work? Anybody ever want to ask God why they have to do the job that they have to do? I know I did. Anybody ever ask God, God, why do I have to do this work? Why do I have to take care of this thing? God, I want to go this place and I don't know how to get there. God, I love you. Anybody ever want to ask your father those things? Yeah. So kids, hear me. The questions that you want to ask, you can ask God those questions. You can talk to God about those things. And he wants to talk to you about them. He wants to answer those questions for you. And adults, you can talk to God about those things. You can talk to your father about the job that you hate but you have to go to every day. I've been there. You can talk to God about how you want to do more for your family, about how you want to take them on this vacation, but you don't know how you're going to afford it. You can talk to God about that. He wants your family to have a great vacation too. So talk to your father. But remember that the point of talking to God isn't to get what we want. It's not to to get things from God. It's not even to get answers from God. But the point of talking to God is to bring our hearts in line with his. Our, our father knows what we need and he knows what he wants, what we want. But he wants to hear from us so that we can be in relationship with him and we can ask him anything. Now Jesus also says that when we go to our father, that we're not rude, right? We're, we're not disrespectful. This is still God we're talking about. And he says that when you go to your father, start like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now that's a really fancy big word. But hallowed really just means holy. And so what what Jesus says here is that when you start your prayer, you say, God be praised. God, you are holy. God, you are good. Heavenly Father, you are so wonderful. So we start by praising God. And we did a little bit of that this morning here as we were worshiping. We were praising God. And so when we start our prayers, we start by praising God for who he is. And that brings us into alignment with who he is. And it puts us in a right place, a right mindset before our heavenly father. And then Jesus says that we go on and and we pray this. That your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now I think this has a couple of meanings for us. Okay, I think it really does. So I think that one of the things that God is saying here that Jesus tells us is that we should be praying that God's will is done on earth. Right? So kids, here's what that means for you. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your friends. Pray for your school. Pray for your parents. Pray for your siblings. It's a tough one, right? But pray that God's will is done in their lives. Pray that God would reveal himself to your brothers and sisters if you have them. Pray that God would reveal himself to your cousins, to your friends at school. Maybe you have a teacher who doesn't know Jesus. God, Jesus wants to know your teacher. Pray that Jesus would reveal himself to your teacher. That's what it means to pray that God's will would be done. Pray for your school. Now, adults, that applies to you too. (laughs) Pray that God's will would be done in our country, in your workplace, in your home. Pray that God would, would come in and restore things and that he would redeem people. I think that's part of what it means. But I think there's a second part to it. And I think that second part is that when we come to God, we do so with, with kind of a, a reverent submission. Now, again, those are really big words, but let me explain to you what I mean by that. What I mean is that when we come to God and we ask him for something, we say, not my will, but your will be done, God. So here's an example. I need a new car. I mean, let's just say I need a new car. And so I go to God and I say, God, I know that you love me and I praise you because you're holy and I want your will to be done, but I need a car. And so I pray that you would give me a 2015 Mustang 
because that is the car that I need, Lord. And God might say, you know what? I know you need a car. I'm going to give you a 2004 minivan (laughs) because that's what you really need because you have four children and a mortgage and you don't make that much money. So, so I'm telling you, I'm going to take care of you. And what it means is that when I go to God, I don't say, God, I need this. God, I demand this of you. I say, God, I want this. But I know that what you have for me is better than what I have for myself. Right? So, kids, here's, here's a great example, right? You can pray, God, I pray that I wouldn't have homework today, but not my will, but your will. Because here's the thing. Homework helps you learn. God wants you to be smart. He wants you to know how to do algebra. So it's okay to pray those things and to ask God for what you want, but do so in a way that says, but not my will, but yours. Because when we do that, it brings our hearts in line with God's heart, and it says, I trust you, God, to be God, and to do what's best for me, no matter what I think, no matter what I want, I trust you to do what's best for me. And that's really what this is all about. It's about coming into relationship and being aligned with God's heart. And so we pray with this submission to what God does. And God, this isn't, this isn't just us doing this. Jesus himself, who was God in the flesh, modeled this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus went to the cross to die, he went and he prayed. And he prayed to his father and he said, Father, Please take this cup from me. I don't want to do this thing that you've asked me to do. I don't want to go to the cross and die. I don't want to be separated from you. But not my will, but your will be done. Guys, it's about coming in line with God's heart for us. And so we pray in a way that says, God, I want this thing, but I want more what you want for me than what I want for me. That's what it's about. So Jesus goes on, and he says, here's some other things to pray for. He says, you should pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, most of us don't rely on God every day for food or for transportation or for a, a roof over our heads, right? We, we've got jobs and we've got, um, we, we have bank accounts and we have savings accounts, and so we're pretty much self-sufficient in this. But it's so important that we continue to pray this line right here. Give us this day our daily bread. And the reason it's important is because it reminds us that all those things that we have All those things that we've provided for ourselves, we didn't provide them. God gave them to us. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. God has given us everything. And so even the jobs that we have, even the the money that we have, the way that we provide, God is the one who gave us those things. And so we say, we remember, when we come in line with God's heart, and we say, give us this day our daily bread. God, I don't want to be self-sufficient. I don't want to lean on myself. I want to trust you. I want to remember that it's you who gave me this stuff. So we come in line with God's heart. And then he says this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I learned it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us when I memorized it years ago. But here's what it really means. Either way, it means God forgive us of our sin as we forgive other people who sin against us. Guys, this is huge. This is huge. Even if you don't think that you have something specific to confess, when you go to that place, when you go into your room and you, you spend time with God, when you're in that moment spending time with him, even if you can't think of something God, that you need specifically to confess, we pray this, forgive us our sins. Not because we need God to forgive us of the things that we've forgotten. God has covered all of your sin. Grace covers everything that you've done. It doesn't mean that when you sin you become unsaved. Okay? So that's not what we're doing. We're not getting re-saved by praying for forgiveness. But here's what it does. It reminds us that God is the one who saved us. That God gave everything 
to save us and give us grace. That God gave his own son, Jesus' life, to forgive us and the cost. And it reminds us of the great love that God has for us and the great forgiveness that God has for us. And when we experience that, we become a little bit more like God. And we extend that forgiveness to others. As we remember what God did for us, we can do that for other people. And so when when Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, he's saying, God, forgive us, remind us of your forgiveness, and help us to forgive other people. Help us to forgive those around us. Help us to show who you are, to be more likely to show our Heavenly Father to everyone around us by forgiving them the way that you would. And so it's so important when we come to this part of the prayer that we do that, that we ask for forgiveness. And then finally, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this, too, is about being aligned with God's heart. It's about coming in alignment with what God has for us, because God has good things for us, right? The world promises something. The world promises that this thing will deliver, but it doesn't. And the world promises that this temptation over here will deliver, but it doesn't. And the world promises that going after these things will make us happy, but they don't. And when we come to this moment, we say, God, lead us not to those things. Lead us to you. We want you to be enough. We, want, we don't want to chase after the things of the world. We want to chase after you, Heavenly Father. So lead us not to that place, but lead us only to you. And deliver us from the evil one. And this is just another way that we bring our hearts in line with God's heart for us. So, I've told you a little bit about prayer. I hope that what you've heard me say is that God wants to know you. That it's an amazing gift that we get to have, that to spend time with God, to be in his presence, to know who he is. With our Heavenly Father. And I hope that I've encouraged you to to make prayer an important part of your life going forward. And so I have a question for you, adults, but I don't want you to answer it right here. The question is, what are you going to commit to? What commitment will your family make in regards to prayer in the year 2016? Don't answer it right now. Maybe you're going to commit to an hour a day. Dads, listen, one of the best things you could do for your family, one of the, the most significant things you could do for your family is not to even lead them in prayer, but to go into the secret place, to go into the quiet place, to go in and shut your room and spend time with God. Because when you come out, you're going to be more like God for your family. And while you're there, you get to pray over your family. God has given you authority over that family like you don't understand. It's in Scripture, the way that he's aligned the family. Fathers, husbands, you have authority in prayer to move mountains for your family. So go to that place. Even if it's only an hour a week, if that's all you can commit to. Maybe you want to commit to teaching your kids about prayer. And you're going to spend an hour a week showing your kids how to do this. That would be a great commitment to make in 2016. I believe God is calling us back to prayer. I believe God wants us to be a people who know him, who pray, who spend time with him, who go deep in relationship with him. And the way that we get there is prayer. So church, I'm asking you, what are you going to do in 2016 to make prayer an important part of your life? What are you going to do? You know, prayer is so significant. Being able to be in relationship with our Father was such a big deal that Jesus gave his life for it. 
gave everything so that we could know God, so that we would no longer be separated from.